Well, good morning again. Um, Pastor Matt is on uh, vacation, so um, I make this joke every time I'm preaching, but you're stuck with me today, so I apologize for that. But um, <laughs> there's actually really no reason for me to preach this sermon anymore because of the communion meditation that Mike gave. So, you know, thank you, Mike, for your communion meditation. But that's, that's the scriptures that we're studying today is John 1, uh, 1 through um, 18. And so the, the reason why I wanted to study these scriptures with you this morning is, you know, we had Easter week last week, and it's wonderful, we're celebrating Jesus, and I just, you know, absolutely love it, and it's amazing, and it's great, and um, Jesus is worth celebrating, obviously, and uh, I just wanted to take another week just to look a little bit more at Jesus, Say, okay, let's, let's take it a little bit further. Let's look at a little bit more of who Jesus is. And so we're looking at Jesus, and you'll notice that the sermon this morning is titled Light in the Darkness. And as I was reading through John 1, that statement really jumped out to me, looking at Jesus as the light in the darkness. Um, it's just, it's so amazing. Jesus is so amazing, and I just love celebrating Jesus and love looking at who he is and studying him and, and just understanding a bit more of who he is. And so I'm excited to go through this sermon with you uh, this morning and just studying a bit more about him and um, just learning more about who he is and, and what he's done for us. Because It's pretty amazing. I'll, I'll let you into that little hint. It's pretty, pretty fascinating and amazing. So um, the way we're going to go about this this morning is we're just going to look at our, our need for a light in the darkness and then who that light in the darkness is and then what that means for us moving forward. And so we're going to start off with the first point here, that darkness is everything that is anti-God. Darkness is everything that is anti-God. Now, a little spoiler alert, uh, in, in the future of the sermon, um, there's actually a verse that says that God is light. God is light. And if that's a true fact, if God is light, then guess what? Darkness is everything that is anti-God. Darkness is everything that is not God if God is light. Now, Proverbs 2 tells us this, Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Right? These, the, these paths of darkness, right? this is straying from God. This is straying from who God is. This is straying from God's path. Wickedness, evil, perverseness, being devious. These, all these things are anti-God. They are straying from the path of God who is light. And so, therefore, darkness is everything that is anti-God. Now, what's interesting about that is our next couple of, of, of points here. The battle against darkness is a constant struggle for us. The battle against darkness is a constant, constant struggle for us. We really struggle against the darkness. And like I said in the Confession and Reconciliation section of, of the service, right, I, I hate just you know, looking at, at humanity and saying, oh, we're... we're, we're bad, we're not good, you know, we're, we're, we're disgusting, we, we all those things, right? I don't like doing that, but it is important to acknowledge, hey, we do struggle against the darkness. We struggle to follow God. We struggle to follow God's path for our life. We struggle against the darkness, and that's a constant, constant struggle. We're going through that struggle every single day. 
And so therefore, we cannot overcome the darkness on our own. We just can't. We can't overcome the darkness on our own. And what that comes from is John 3.19 says this, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. People loved darkness. But we are, we are constantly struggling against the darkness of the world, right? We're kind of attracted to darkness in some ways. We struggle with that every single day, and because of that, we cannot overcome the darkness on our own because we love the darkness. You might be saying, Jack, I don't love the darkness, right? I'd, I'd say I don't love the darkness either. I love God. I do. But in reality, I know that there are sin struggles that I have. I struggle to, I'm not perfect, right? If I were to say I love the light and that is all I ever live for, then I would be perfect and that would be a false claim. If I said that from up here on stage, somebody, at least I hope, somebody would come and drag me off and say, Jack, that's not true, right? That's not true. You are not perfect. We struggle against the darkness every single day. And so therefore, we need something else. We need someone else, right? We need someone else. There is a need for a light in the darkness. There is a need for a light in the darkness. And that first person, that, that first point here, Jesus is the light in the darkness. Jesus is the light in the darkness. We celebrated Jesus the entire week last week. What he did. Him, him coming to earth, his triumphal entry, right, on Palm Sunday, the Good Friday service, right, his, his death for us on the cross, and then ultimately Easter Sunday saying he raised from the dead and celebrating that fact and just being overjoyous and saying we love Jesus and what he did for us and just celebrating that entire, entire week and celebrating Jesus for who he is and what he did for us. And that is completely, completely earned, and it's not really my place to say that Jesus earned that, right? It's just Jesus is Jesus, and we get to celebrate that, and we got to do that for an entire week, and it's amazing because Jesus is the light in the darkness. That is what, exactly what we were celebrating last week for the entire week, saying, hey, Jesus is the light in the darkness. Now, getting into John 1, John 1, 4, and 5 says this, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John is an artist with his words. I just, when I read through these, these verses, I'm just amazed by the beauty of what is contained. Right, last week you hear, heard a little bit about, uh, of Matt kind of explaining this idea of this word life. And how it's not just, you know, we're all in this room living, but that there's a, this idea of eternal life that comes with it. And eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. Eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. So in Jesus was eternal life, and that eternal life that is found in Jesus is the light of all mankind. Not just us sitting in this room today, not just us in the state of Oregon, not just us in uh, this country, but all over the world, that eternal life found in Jesus Christ is the light of all mankind. Now, if John had left it there without the next verse, I'd be like, that's, that's an amazing, amazing verse. 
But then he finishes it off with saying, and this light, it shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, I'm not a scientist. I went to Bible college, and there we we studied Scripture a lot, and so I I did a lot of that. Um, We had one math class. It's called personal finances, so it's not even really a math class fully, right? And so I'm definitely not a scientist. But I I have never, ever, ever been somewhere where there is a light shining, and that light continues to shine, but then darkness overcomes it. Never been there. Never experienced that, right? It's always been, well, the light bulb has gone out, or we flipped the light switch and we turned it off, and then darkness kind of befalls over the room, right? But darkness, at least to me, does not have the ability to overcome light. Light has the ability to overcome darkness. That's literally what light is. It it, it overcomes the darkness, And another interesting tidbit about this verse, that word overcome can also be translated to as understood. So the darkness has not understood the light. I find that a bit interesting. But I just, this image of light and darkness, right, it's really, really amazing to me. It helps me kind of understand who Jesus is to the world. If the world is full of darkness and Jesus is the light in the darkness, then Jesus comes, and when he enters a room or enters a person, right, then there's this idea of Jesus just just kind of overcomes that area because he is a light in the darkness. And the darkness cannot then overcome Jesus again. So we serve a powerful, powerful God. Now, the next part of this sermon is kind of going to that area of describing Jesus Um, and and how he is God. And so Jesus is the word of God personified. Jesus is the word of God personified. Verses 1 through 3 of John 1 are are pretty famous verses. And they're famous for a reason, and um, we're going to talk about that reason. But John 1, 1 through 3 says this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, what's fascinating to me about this this verse here, it's such simple language, but yet it throws my heads all in knots, right? It's such simple language. There's was, in beginning, in, right, with, just all these simple words, but yet I'm still like, okay, it's a little bit bit complicated to me. Um, So let's break it down. In the beginning was the word. All right, in the beginning was the Word. So my mind automatically goes to, well, the whole Bible starts with in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I think that's intentional. We're supposed to kind of jump to that and say, okay, in the beginning, in the beginning, how do those two things correlate? And actually, what John explains in the next couple of verses will correlate with that, so I'll leave that until those couple of verses. But in the beginning was the Word. Now what actually is the Word. Because if it's saying that, well, in the beginning was, was words, ran, just random, random words, that doesn't really carry much meaning with it, does it? I mean, if I were to stand up here and, and just say, table, chairs, sky, windows, cars, there's no meaning, right? You're like, okay, why? <laughs> there's no meaning behind those just random, random words. So there's got to be a little bit more to this idea of, of word in this verse, right? 
And there is. So this word in the Greek is, is logos. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, maybe you haven't. That's okay. So this word logos, it can, it's actually translated to multiple different words throughout uh, the New Testament. A few of those are idea, uh, message, reason, right? And so already we kind of get the picture, well, this word here in verse 1 actually carries with it weight and meaning. It's not just random words. It is a message. It is reasoning. It is an idea. There's a lot more to it than just a random smattering of words. So, in the beginning was the idea, the message, the reason. Okay, there's a little bit more to it than that, right? And you'll notice that also it's capitalized. I didn't capitalize it. That was capitalized on its own with, by the Bible translators who have more education than I do. So I'm just following what they have said, right? Okay, so we know a little bit more about the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was with God. So that kind of gives the idea that the Word is kind of separate from God for a moment. Okay, the Word was with God in the beginning. And the Word was God. So now they're the same. So now they're like kind of both apart, but the same. Okay, I'm kind of following a little bit more now. He was with God in the beginning. Now it's a person. Now it's a he. Okay, so we have all these kind of ideas of of the word, okay, Um, and, and what it is. So the Logos was in the beginning, and it was with God, and it was God. He was with God in the beginning. In the next couple of verses, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And so here's that connection to the creation of the world. So one might say that the word of God was in the beginning, and the word of God was with God, and the word of God was God, revealing who he was. And that word of God created, because all things that were made were made through him. Nothing that exists today was made without this word of God, this word, this logos. Okay, I'm following a little bit. Are you guys following with me? I hope, I hope you are. Um, so, <laughs> this, yep. I don't know why I chose this scripture, but I did. So we're, we're going with it. We're having fun, right? But then we get an important verse here. John 1, 14, and you'll notice that it's A, because I'm, I want to leave the rest of it for later. But the word became flesh. The Word became flesh. So you have this Word. It was in the beginning. It was with God and it was God. He was with God in the beginning. And this Word, well, guess what? It became flesh. It became flesh. And yes, just so we're all tracking together, that Word became Jesus. The Word of God became Jesus Christ. And something interesting, Paul says something interesting interesting in 2 Corinthians 4. He says this, For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness. There's that connection to creation again. right? God spoke creation into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke it. God's word did that. So already we're getting connected from Paul, by Paul, to creation from this idea. He said, let light shine out of the darkness. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So all throughout Scripture, something that is a consistent theme is that God's word reveals his character. 
God's word reveals who he is. From creation to now, God's word, it, it displays him. Right? If God is creating the heavens and the earth, he's displaying his character. He's saying, this is who I am. I'm creating the earth in this way. I'm creating the universe in this way. And then you look at the Old Testament, right? We've spent a lot of time in the plan uh, this year and looking at how God interacts with his people. And God talks to his people. He communicates with them. And as he does that, he reveals his character. He reveals who he is. And that doesn't stop with the word becoming flesh. Through Jesus Christ, God is revealing who he he is. He's revealing his character, saying, this is who I am. This is how I love you. This is how I care for you. This is me. And I think that's a really good indication into kind of what this idea of he was with God, but also he is God. Right? You think, uh, uh, so I'm, I'm up here giving a message to you, right? speaking a sermon to you. And it's really tricky because, especially with this, th- these verses here, right? If I get up here and I speak heresy, those words both become apart from me, but also still are me. Right? Because they kind of they enter into your minds, and you can take those words and say, well, guess, guess what the preacher said on Sunday? He said this, and it was wrong, right? And it's like, okay, those words are now being spread because they're apart from me in a way. But it's not just... Well, guess what preacher said? It's, guess what Jack said? Those words are still me. They're revealing my character, how I believe, who I am. They're revealing me to you. That's how our words come across, is people understanding, okay, this is who you are. Our, our words, they matter a lot. Because if, if, if Pastor Matt goes on vacation and Jack's giving a sermon and I just get up here and I say those random words again, ch- stage, chair, you know, grass, sky, then it's like, that was a terrible sermon. There was no meaning behind it. I don't even, <laughs> why? Why did I even go to church this Sunday, right? But I'm, I'm giving a message to you that, that carries with it weight. And if I do say something wrong, whether I intend to or not, now it's like, well, God, or Jack, no, oh, gosh, that was bad. <laughs> That's not the way you want to fumble on your words. Sorry. Um, Jack revealed his character to us. He revealed who he is. And it's like, oh, boy. Now my words, they really carry weight. They really carry a lot of weight. And I think it, it, it's not exactly the same, because I'm just a man, but it's similar to how God's word is, is both kind of apart from him, but also is fully and completely him. Because God, God's word, it reveals his character all throughout Scripture. And Jesus is God's word that has become flesh and has lived amongst us. And so we can reach the conclusion then that God is dwelling among us. He is the light in the darkness. And now this point does not nullify the the first point about Jesus being the light in the darkness. They are both 100% fully true. Jesus is the light in the darkness. God is the light in the darkness because guess what? They're the same. They're both God. God is the light in the darkness. God is dwelling among us. He is the light in the darkness. Now, I did choose those words intentionally, dwelling among us. And as we read John 1, 14b, we'll see that John says the same thing. So the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, 
the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, how many of you like camping? I love to go camping, right? Some, it's really interesting to me to see just the, the uh, kind of diversity of when you say camping, what people think of. Some people don't think camping is what my family does, right? My family finds like a, a state park and takes, you know, my parents have a trailer, my grandparents have a trailer, I stay in a tent, right? All those things. And some people would say, well, that's, that's glamping, Jack. And I'm like, well... I know some people that get, you know, the full-size motorhome and they go somewhere like a KOA where they have full hookups and, you know, they can use the restroom in their trailer and don't have to go to a hole in the ground, right? All those things, I consider that glamping. But then some people are like, no, camping is only when you're just roughing it out in the woods and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a whole diversity there. Anyway, I love camping. I love going with my family places and hanging out. So, um, but what's interesting, why I bring up camping? You might be asking me that question right now. So this, these words, dwelling among us, actually can be literally translated as he pitched his tent among us, which I think brings a level of intimacy to, to our relationship with Jesus. God pitched his tent among us. And that actually is supposed to kind of call us back into you know, the, the Israelites when they were wandering the wilderness, right? They're living out of tents. And, and God himself came and said, hey, I'm going to pitch my tent with you guys. I'm going to live with you. I'm going to dwell among you. And that brings a a level of intimacy with our God that is just baffling to me. Right? Because, hear me on this, I completely understand and fully know just how, you know, not fully know, I don't completely understand it, but God is above us. That is no question. And it is amazing. God is just amazing and and, so above us. But also for our God to say, hey, I'm going to come live with you guys. Like, that's, that's crazy to me. Because I also know of some beliefs where their, their God is, just, is like, those ants down there, I'll crush a few of them because I don't care about them, you know, and they just are completely separate from those who believe in them. Not to say that they're true, but that's the belief, right? But our God has said, I love my children, and I want to live with them, even though darkness exists. I want to be a light in the darkness to them. That is, that's just baffling to me, but that's so amazing and so, so good. So good. Now, 1 John 1, 5 says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So this is also kind of a callback to the first point, right? Darkness is anything that is anti-God. Well, that's because God is light. There is no darkness that exists in, in relation to God, right? God is light, and so therefore darkness is everything that is anti-God. But God is the light in the darkness. So we've taken a couple steps here this morning. First and foremost, we established that, hey, darkness exists, and we struggle with it, and we need someone. And then we establish, well, who is that someone? Jesus is that someone. God is that someone. So where do we go from there? Well, first and foremost, we have to recognize that we were made to live in the light. We were made to live in the light. We were made to be followers of Christ. We were made 
We, we are children of God. We were made to believe in Him and to trust in Him and to give ourselves over wholly to Him, to say, hey, I trust God and I want to live for Him every single day of my life. I know I'm going to struggle with the darkness still, but I am committing myself to God and to the light. We were made to live in the light. And I think that brings with it this idea of eternal life. That'll be living in the light every single day. I mean, I don't know if days really exist in heaven, but you know, that'll be living in the light for the rest of eternity, and it'll be fully, fully good, and we won't have to struggle with the darkness again. And I'm, I'm very excited for that time. But it, we're still in this world, but I'm very, very excited for that time. But we were made to live in the light. 1 John 1, 6-10 says this, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the, in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That is the truth. That is what we're made to do. We're supposed to be in fellowship with each other. We're supposed to be living in the light. We're supposed to be living in the promise of Jesus, living in what he did for us last week in Easter week. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, right? Again, back to the thing. If I were to say I'm perfect, somebody would probably pull me off the stage and say, Jack, that was not true, right? You deceive yourself, but because we are imperfect, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's that verse from uh, Confession and Reconciliation. If we confess our sins, then we will be forgiven our sins. Now, as Paul would say, does that mean I, I go on and just keep sinning? Absolutely not. By no means do that. But still yet, if we live in the light and say, I believe in Jesus and who he is and what he did for me, I confess my sins. If we believe in that, then we will be forgiven and and Jesus will purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. The second thing that we are to, to be recognizing is that we are called to testify of the light in the darkness. We are called to testify of the light in the darkness. Simply, we are called to tell others about this message that it is Jesus Christ. I find it so interesting that Logos can, actually, can act, act, also be translated as message. If Jesus is the Logos, Jesus is the message. I find that very interesting. But we are called to be going just to whoever we see everywhere to to say, hey, darkness exists, but guess what? Jesus exists, and Jesus is a light in the darkness. Jesus can change everything for you. Living, Living in darkness is an incredibly painful, painful thing. And I don't, I don't mean to say that as, you know, people who, who um, you know, are, are suffering from things that are out of their control, right? But people that choose to live in darkness, that can bring up some things that end up just bringing hurt into their lives constantly. And it's very, very sad to see. But when we live in the light, 
when we live in Jesus and say, hey, I'm attributing myself to, to, to him and to his ways, to the ways of the light. That can change everything for us. It doesn't mean that we're going to have a perfect life, right? That's another thing that I need to be careful about not saying is, you know, health and wealth, prosperity gospel, right? No, that doesn't exist. But um, it will change everything for us. It can change our, our perspective in life a little bit. Yes, things are going to hurt. Yes, things are going to be bad. But also we recognize that, hey, Jesus still lives and Jesus still exists and Jesus still purifies us from unrighteousness. When we only live in the darkness, though, that's when things get really, really hard. That's when people really, really, really struggle because there is no hope. When we live in the darkness, there is no hope. When we live in the light, there is hope in eternal life because eternal life is found in Christ Jesus. So living in the light can definitely just, it can change everything for us. But we are called to testify of the light and the darkness. We're just simply called to tell people, hey, Jesus exists, Jesus loves you, believe in him, right? And I know it's a lot harder than that a lot of the time, but that's what we're called to be doing, is telling people about Jesus and who he is and how he loves us. John 1, 6-9 says this, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He, was, he, or he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And then Matthew five fourteen through 16, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are not the light, but guess what? We carry that message that is the light to the world. We have the ability to say, hey, I know things seem rough. I know things are rough right now, but Jesus loves you. Jesus exists, and Jesus can, can change everything for you. He can give you hope in eternal life, and that is a message that is worth sharing, right? Brings me back to the old children's song, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, you know, not hide it, under, hide it under a bushel? No, right? We're not supposed to be doing that. We're supposed to be letting it shine. We're supposed to be telling people, hey, Jesus is the light in the darkness. Hey, God is the light in the darkness. Now, finally, the, the last thing that we're supposed to um, just be, to, to recognize is that we are incredibly loved. We are incredibly loved. The, this message, I hope, has kind of brought you through some, some steps of, you know, recognizing, hey, there is, there is darkness in the world. We need light in the darkness, but we can't get it ourselves, so we need someone, and that someone is God. And once we reach this conclusion of that we are incredibly loved, I find these verses to be impactful. Verses 9 through 13 of John 1. The true light that gives, every, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So a couple of things that I see there, and just in terms of how incredibly loved we are. First and foremost, our God that we believe in, right? He decided, I love 
my children so much that I'm going to actually go physically live with them. I'm going to pitch my tent with them because I love them and I want to see their lives change. And furthermore from that, knowing that guess what? When God enters this world, the world will not recognize him. And then moving forward, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now, I've never actually experienced this, but I know people who have experienced this where people that are um, family to them, people that are very, very close friends to them, suddenly something happens and, and disown them and say, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. And I don't bring this up lightly because that hurts. That is causing me to get choked up right now just thinking of people who are going through that. That hurts. And our God went through that for, for us because he loves us so much. To say, I'm going to live in the world that I created with those I created and they're not going to recognize me and in fact, they're going to kill me. But he did that because he loves us, because he cares for us, because he wants us to have a relationship with him. Because moving forward, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave us the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Children born of God. Folks, our God loves us. We are so incredibly loved. And we see that throughout the whole Easter week to say, hey, right, our God, he came to dwell with us. He pitched his tent with us because he cares about us. And yes, Good Friday happened. He was crucified because he loves us. But you, you can't keep our God down. He raised again three days later, and we celebrate that every year around Easter time. Now, my, my goal with this sermon was just to spend another kind of week within that, just celebrating that, saying, hey, look at, look at our God. Look at how amazing he is. Look at how much he loves us. How good is that? Because I love celebrating our God, amen? I hope you love celebrating our God too. But I think John 1, it's, it's actually said that this, this might be a, an early Jewish hymn. And I, I, I can see that because it is beautiful in how it's laid out. It's beautiful in how it tackles uh, theology. It's confusing in some places, yes, especially, even for me, right? It's confusing. But it also brings us into, hey, we do need a light in the darkness. God is that light in the darkness. And so what do we do? Well, we revel in the fact that we are loved and we tell people that they are loved. I think that's that's kind of the gospel message in a nutshell, I'd hope, right? We need Jesus. Others need Jesus. We've recognized our need for Jesus, and so we're here, but there's also people out there that don't know Jesus, and so we'd love to tell them about that, and that's what we're called to do. Now, as we um, prepare to sing our final song, I, there is a few next steps that I'd invite you into, right? If you've kind of heard this, this message of, of Jesus and how he loves you um, and you would love to give your life to Jesus, I'd invite you to come forward as we sing our final song.
Um, so yes, there, there it is, there's a point. So get, you could give your life to Jesus. Um, even uh, also, you could recommit your, yourself to Jesus if you feel the need to do so. Also would invite you to join a small group or a service team. Um, those are just places where um, we continue to push each other, where we continue to grow and learn and um, teach and learn from each other as to how we can be living in the light and how we can tell others of the light. And then also you could sign up for a Connect class. That's a class that Matt does, Pastor Matt does um, every so often where there's uh, lunch provided and you can learn more about this church and what they believe and, um, or what we believe. I'm a part of the church, sorry. Um, what we believe and um, just how we operate. So I invite you to stand as we sing our closing song.